So we have in the studio with us now Atlantic Fellows at Takano Media, Elroy Paulus and Kense Radebe, who is a senior fellow. So they're going to tell us a little bit about how this program works because it's slightly different to your usual fellowship, which is usually aligned to a university and a university degree. This is something that is uh, founded in the realm of the NGO space and works with people who are in a kind of a more giving sphere, if I could say it that way. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Okay, Elroy, can we start with you and just tell us a little bit more about how it works? Sure. Thank you. And um, thank you for the opportunity and hello to the listeners. Um, As the Advocacy and Communications Program Officer um, in a very new organization established the end of 2016, uh, Takano is part of the Atlantic Fellows family. There's about six um, organizations globally. But what makes Takano unique, and is the fact that it runs a fellows program on an annual basis, typically 25 fellows from a range of sectors. And maybe the best way to describe it is to say that it's um, an organization that has a very bold agenda. It wants to close down after 20 years. After building um, a a large cohort of fellows. The numbers, if you, if you do the calculations over 20 years, is about 500 fellows, hopefully all senior fellows, that work towards health equity um, and leadership development. And it's both um, at an individual level as well as a collective level. Um, the, the focus of um, Takano at its uh, incubation period which we are in now, is to, um, our flagship program is the fellowship program, which um, on an annual basis has uh, four modules uh, moving forward, um, where people from all walks of life um, engage in a year-long program. They meet in different places. Um, they do modular work. They learn about a range of issues uh, impacting on health equity. That also uh, talks about leadership development, um, and that then enables them, when they complete the course, to graduate, become a senior fellow like Kense here with us today. Um, and I need to be frank, uh, Takano staff learns in that process mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a unique program. Mm-hmm. So the, the focus of Takano is health equity uh, and leadership development in South Africa. So you said that the Atlantic Fellows, they are 25 fellows annually and it's global. Uh, the fellows at Takano mm-hmm. um, are 25 and they do their work in South Africa. They don't mm-hmm. exclusively. They don't tap into the, glo- into the global sector of the organization? There, there were opportunities um, in Cohort 1. Kenza can mm-hmm. talk more mm-hmm. about that where they met the rest of the fellows. She's just returned from uh, the inaugural um, convening of senior fellows at Oxford, or where the Atlantic Institute is based, and they have a coordinating role. So yes, they they did have the opportunity uh, two years now for cohort one to engage with Atlantic Fellows programs globally, from the Global Brain Health Institute to um, a unit, uh, Atlantic Fellows for Social Equity in Melbourne, Australia. Um, and I, I'm sure she can tell you what learning she gleaned from those experiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Kenzie, you've now just come back from doing this, from, from mixing with these other global... Um, yes. Can I call you guys global do-gooders? 
Is that okay? <laughs> Nobody's going to be offended. <laughs> what was the? What would you say was the most enriching part of your experience? So I think being part of the fellowship program in and of itself when last year when we got recruited was an absolute privilege because on a professional basis you would, you get to engage with people who are also interested in advancing health in their own bases, but you get to bring together your backgrounds, your networks, and actually begin to build really exciting projects, opportunities for collaboration. Mm. And I think tapping into the international community is really an expansion of that, where you begin saying, well, who else is working? For example, for myself, I work in mental health. I begin asking questions, well, where are the gaps in my area? Can I collaborate with fellows in Australia or in the UK or from America who are working in the same space that I'm working in. And I think really what the platform allows for where we are able to engage as global fellows is to collaborate, build networks and build relationships. Now, can I just go back to Elroy quickly? So Takano Media's focus is preparing the fellows and health. Uh, the focus overall mm-hmm. is to enable fellows to engage in what we call a catalytic community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that community uh, consists of fellows, um, as I said, cohort one. They call themselves the Azanians, uh, with about 26 fellows. Uh, Kense is one of them. Uh, this year, there's another uh, 25. And what we do is we promote um, engagement and collective learning amongst themselves. Um, and, and perhaps it will be useful to describe our, our long-term outcome by saying that, amongst others, it's levering connections to support the development of a social movement for health equity uh, with increased public discourse and opportunities to influence decision-making towards more equitable policy and practice. So to give you an example, and one of the fellows uh, in our own capacity made a submission to the United Nations on the ICESCR, the International Covenant for Economic Social um, uh, socioeconomic rights in South Africa, ICESCR. Um, others may be engaging Parliament. Others may be influencing decision makers in their sector. So, it's it's two and a half years in the making, and we hope that the mm-hmm. the fellows program and Takano's work would grow from strength mm-hmm. to strength. So I'm, I'm asking about this because, um, you know, in the last month or two, I've been reading a lot of articles in the news about the healthcare. In the country, you know, and of course, seeing what's happening in the states with with healthcare as well, and then uh, health, Britain, Brexit, blah blah blah, and very concerning f- for me is the fact that you know there are problems with a lot of the hospitals. There are problems with getting people in the system. There are problems with the system itself, and with the level of of experts, um, you know, and and the care in the system. So this is why I'm kind of fascinated by what you guys are trying to achieve, and so. One of the questions for me is when when you you said right at the beginning that this program will run for twenty years. It, it is that is the vision. Yes, that is the vision, right? So, what are the kind of short term and long term goals um, from the program and f- from your organization with regards to health, specifically socially, um, and you know, socially speaking, as in what kind of broader um, result are you trying to get? in the greater South African society? That's a big question. Um, I don't have with certainty all the answers, but Mm -hmm. certainly what we wish to do is to work alongside leaders, the fellows themselves, 
and senior fellows in their specific area of work. So to give you an example, um, I work in Kailicha and I, I choose to take public transportation uh, to and from work. There is an upcoming um, Public Health Association of South Africa um, uh, conference, which happens uh, annually, PASA. And what that uh, what is unique about this year is that it will be in Athlone. And one of the activities of uh, the PASA conference is for Takana to host a pre-workshop where the fellows themselves from all walks of life will share what their experiences are insofar as their learnings. So if you take a bus to Kailicha and if you if you take public transportation, one of the things you'll notice is that drains after the rain pops up and kids have to walk through the most horrible of fluids, uh, fecal matter, to be gross but factual. Um, what is the impact of that from an environmental health perspective? Mm. What is the impact of um, mental health, uh, mothers worrying about their children getting to school, and how do they interact with one another? So in many ways, uh, Takano's work is creating that space for that dialogue to happen, for fellows to encourage one another. Uh, one of the pleasant things I noticed last night is that one of the fellows, uh, um, one of this year's fellows, uh, Amanda Fernando, who works for TB HIV Care, spoke about um, the work in their newsletter. So if you can imagine throwing a, a stone across uh, a smooth surface, creating mm -hmm. these puddles of influence and awareness through information, seeing what the intersection of those uh, rings are, as it were, um, is very important because I think one of the problems about health services in South Africa is that we work in silos. And in many ways, this program uh, along with the work of our the sending organizations um, and our mentors and our coaches is is to break that um, close minded thinking if I can call it that with great respect to health services who 's already stretched in every province, but we hope that uh, Takano can help along with the organizations and coaches and mentors to first of all raise a new kind of consciousness that will enable health equity to be manifest um, in the future. Okay, and then um, let me just quickly jump back to Kinsey. Kinsey, you said you are interested in mental health. Yes, I work in mental health. So do you have a five-year plan for, for yourself as to how you think you can improve that sphere in your kind of closest community, your, your, your touch points? So I wouldn't necessarily call it a, a five-year plan, but I think the kind of mental health care sector that I'd like to see is one that's, number one, is funded at the primary care level because we have a dearth of lack of access to services for individuals in their own community settings, but also then to also address a number of other issues relating to human resources, relating to how we train mental health practitioners, but also relating to what Ali was speaking about, about mental health care being approached as something that sits on its own and something that's mm. not integrated. The whole the silo broader, approach. Yeah, into, the broader mental, into the broader health sector. So I think for me, that's the kind of, I think, Mm -hmm. vision that I think mm -hmm. we should be or the way that we mm -hmm. should be approaching mental health care and I think what's been really brilliant about being part of the Tegano Fellowship is that I was able to engage with and meet with colleagues who are working at various levels 
Mm-hmm. So others are working. Mafoko Pumani, for example, she works at the Rural Health Advocacy Project, looking at rural mental health, as well as Shannon Morgan, who's another fellow. So together we formed a mental health working group where we're actually bringing along other fellows from other programs. So fellows from Zimbabwe, fellows from the UK, who are also interested in addressing equities mm-hmm. in mental health in their own countries, but also globally. So I think for me, breaking the boundaries in terms of working in silos, but also leveraging off of other individuals' mm-hmm. programs and innovations is absolutely brilliant. So that's another question that, that popped up in my head is when you had that opportunity to meet with them and talk with them and, and, and kind of learn from their experiences or just talk through their experiences, do they do better at not having a silo approach in their countries? Definitely. I think one of the things that I that always amazes me is why would I want to reinvent the wheel if somebody's mm. already, you know, created an if intervention. If there's an existing model, exactly. <laughs> let's just replicate it rather yeah, than exactly. kind of break our brains exactly. trying to find one. And already we have a limitation in the number of resources that we can have access to, mm. especially for those of us living in the global south and, and in South Africa. So if I'm able to find either an, an intervention or a program that somebody's put resources and time in into perfecting, then maybe I bring that kind of intervention or way of thinking into to the South African context and obviously change it so that it actually fits the, mm-hmm. the context mm-hmm. and, and area that I'm mm-hmm. working in. Now, you also said something about funding. So I'm going to take that back to Alroy and just ask, does Takano uh, try and source funding as well? Takano currently has a sole funder, and okay. that's the Atlantic Philanthropies. Right. Uh, anybody who drives past UWC, or visit UWC, the School of Public Health, that mm-hmm. was funded by mm-hmm. Atlantic Philanthropies. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlantic Philanthropies uh, plans to close down um, the in the middle of, middle of next year. Um, and uh, the implications of that is that all the Atlantic Fellows programs needs to be up and running before right. that happens. So um, the Atlantic Philanthropies, if anybody um, knows about Chuck Feeney, uh, a billionaire who gave away all his money and yes. established this yeah. fund um, comes from the U.S. Um, it is um, it has made incredible contributions both to the infrastructure and uh, health and development programs across South Africa. Um, one of the things that we are trying to do um, is to support our fellows through um, a little bit of seed funding, funding for for their projects. That's a very, very small amount. But based on that, also leverage from other organizations how they can support. I think it's important also to say that uh, in the nature of the work that we do, not only funding, uh, other kinds of support, we've got uh, at present uh, five, fun- uh, five partners. And if I could just mention who those partners mm-hmm. are, uh, mm-hmm. Training for Transformation, um, which uh, runs from the Grail Center in Claremont. Um, the Rural Health Advocacy Project that uh, Ken says mentioned. They're based in Johannesburg. And Tinga and Taba Kandoda, uh, based in the Eastern Cape. Um, the Community Development Resources uh, Association, uh, based in Woodstock. And then uh, Ubuntu Coaching Foundation, along with other development practitioners that assist as either mentors or coaches of the fellows and works closely with Takano to realize its objective at this point. So now one of the things that, that, that um, the Atlantic Senior Fellows Awards projects that advance the mission to create fairer, fairer, healthier, and more inclusive societies. So if I understand you guys correctly, 
you feed into that goal via health equity. Um, and leadership development in South Africa, yes. Okay. So how do you then, how do you marry the two? Is that the, the, the purpose there of health and leadership because you need the leadership to get the health to the point that you want it to be at? That, that's, that's correct, uh, both individually and collectively. But the, the most recent experience, um, uh, if Kense would be keen, uh, is to talk about that trip <laughs> that she's, she's recently come back from because it's probably fresh in her memory. <laughs> mm, tell us so a little bit about that. We were in Oxford for the global convening of senior fellows. I think it was the first time senior fellows got to convene together. And I think there were about 130 of us from all the programs internationally. And it was really a fellow-driven space where fellows were really integrated into developing the program and outlining the issues that we wanted to speak about. So even though the topics were really diverse from, you know, issues around, you know, racism in, in the U.S., health equity in Southeast Asia, as well as here in South Africa, as well as economic issues just all over the world and leadership in general as, as a question, as a topic that we wanted to discuss, we really had the opportunity to engage in, it was talks that we got to participate in, panel discussions, as well as talks that were led by people who were already leading in their own organizations and spaces, sharing their own experiences with us. And that was really, I think, benef it was really beneficial and enriching as an experience. Okay, so then you come back and you apply a lot of that um, information. Yes. And I think for me, one of the most important things about being on the Degano Fellowship, as well as then being tied into the global program, is not necessarily the, the, the events that we do mm -hmm. and, and, you know, who came to speak and, 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 and mm -hmm. all of that that comes with it. It's really the relationship building, because I found what's been most beneficial for me is that being able to walk away from an event like the global convening is to meet people who have similar interests that I do, whether or not it's in mental health or in a related or cognate field, and then to be able to call them up and say, okay, so last time we spoke about funding, you are currently based at such and such organization mm -hmm. and you fund mental health care. Can you fund this project? And then the answer is usually yes, let me open the door for you. So I think for me, that's the real key of being involved with other individuals who are leading in their own organizations. And I think that's the, the benefit of the program being structured and targeting mid-career professionals, because as we grow and develop, then we actually grow that community together. Mm -hmm. Now, access to health care, was that a hot topic? Definitely. And, and I think not just in, in, the South, Af in South Africa, mm -hmm. and I think you mm -hmm. mentioned earlier that you can find so many examples globally exactly. where health really is an issue. And I think what's really important to understand is that the way that we approach our healthcare systems and the issues that we find there are usually issues that are replicated in society broadly. So like in South Africa, we know that if you are coming from a lower economic background, you're more likely to struggle to have access to healthcare. So it's not just about looking at healthcare as, as you know, whether it's the Department of Health, but it's trying to understand how does education fit into this? How does transport, as Alre was speaking about earlier, fit into this? How does infrastructure development, all of these elements? And I think that's why Degan was quite intentional about bringing together individuals who were coming from from various backgrounds, but who are interested in health, because then by collectively engaging in the topic, we might be able to come up mm -hmm, with different mm -hmm. ways of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier, Elroy, something also about rural areas and, and issues in rural areas. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, in one of the modules last year in Stellenbosch was one of the fellows uh, by the name of Lindy Mzankomo is... Um, a director in the National Treasury. So you may ask, how on earth is that linked to health services or health care in a province? Well, one of the things that she explained 
was the principles, the basis, the criteria for how money is divided between the nine provinces from mm-hmm. the fiscus um, and in municipalities, in district municipalities and provinces. And we learned about how equitable share allocations from the fiscus and conditional grants based on formulae and factors enables the flow of money to those uh, areas. So in rural areas, do you allocate it based on the number of people per square kilometer, knowing full well that the cost of transportation to a hospital, the cost to a referral hospital is so much higher. So this is uh, this is breaking those silos. Uh, people on the ground do not understand. People uh, sometimes uh, struggle to see the big picture because it's not communicated to people how resources are allocated, how money flows, and how to advocate for more based on the fact that um, the division of revenue is not adequate in addressing all the needs um, and the interrelated factors in getting the service um, that people are constitutionally uh, promised to be given. Mm-hmm. So now, um, in closing, one of the, the questions that I wanted to ask is, is there scope in, in how you, you guys operate you know, as fellows and also from a module perspective um, for the instance of, and I'm not sure if it's a typically South African problem, but there are lots of complaints about how health staff at community clinics and, you, you, well, government hospitals um, behave towards patients. I mean, we had that big uh, uh, debacle on social media where, well, it wasn't on social media, but it was outed on social media where the, the woman was tied to a chair and, you know, those kinds of things. And I've heard stories of, of uh, young girls who don't want to go because they get to ask for either um, birth control or to get assistance because they're pregnant because of the way they're treated, you know, when they go. So do you guys touch on those kinds of issues? Because, I mean, that also is a deep-rooted um, problem and, and it's a social issue as well and it's a mindset problem. So I think what was really interesting in one of the modules that we participated in last year, we went to the Eastern Cape and that was human resources actually came up as quite a pertinent issue. And I think what was really interesting for a number of fellows who weren't necessarily working in the public space like myself was really the exposure to some of those issues Mm. at that level. Mm. And I think what it did for me was that it allowed me to then begin thinking a little bit differently about how do I collaborate and engage with colleagues who are working in the public sector. And what other, what that also did is that it also allowed me to engage with my own fellows who are doing work in that space at their own organizations, whether it's at an advocacy level, calling for greater resources to be directed towards human resources, but also then to also highlight some of the issues that you're speaking about. So I think for myself, as a fellow who wasn't necessarily working in, who isn't working in the public sector, then I think a little bit differently about if I'm going to engage or collaborate, what sort of requirements do I put on the table when I'm proposing a project with government? relating to Mm. that is it an additional training program is it bringing in for example in mental health care something that comes up a lot is working with the lgbtqi community Mm. so knowing what i know that's something that i would put in as a request to say can we have additional training for individuals who are often marginalized in the public sector to then receive better treatment because for example and and i'm going to actually ask elroy uh for example there's still a problem with abortions i mean while it is legal uh it is still frowned upon even in the medical 
sector and sometimes people will go and, and request one and be denied one. And I mean, how do you as an organization that is working towards health equity, you know, how do you approach something like that? Many of the approaches are formulated by the fellows themselves. One of the things that uh, is difficult to understand about who and what Takano is, is that we facilitate discussions, but don't necessarily have a single ideology or a position. And one of the things that's necessary to understand in this all-embracing space is also our history. Uh, in the previous module of Cohort 2, uh, fellows spent an entire day traveling through to three places, uh, one of which was um, an organization that works in a community. Uh, one of the leaders there is a, is a senior fellow called Tami Hukwe. And we spent time in uh, Freedom Park understanding the struggle of a community to gain access to most basic services. We also spent time in the mines where people were traumatized by the fact that their forefathers, their grandfathers, their uncles lived in very, very difficult uh, conditions. Uh, all of these things impact on the quality of life. Uh, silicosis, uh, asbestosis, mesotheliomas, tumors that happen as a result of, of working in these toxic um, uh, conditions often associated with mining. So there's no short answer to uh, your, your question, but it, it is deepening an understanding and an appreciation of all these social determinants of health. Uh, health defined not only as the absence of disease, that becomes the learning space of all the fellows. So that's, uh, I think we're out of time there, but I think this is a very interesting topic and, and fantastic work that you guys are doing. That's Ken Serradebe, Senior Fellow, and uh, Elroy Paulus of Takano Media. Elroy, for our listeners, if they want to learn more or get involved, where can they get information and who should they contact? Thank you. Um, we have a Facebook presence. We have a Twitter presence. Twitter is at Takano underscore capital S, capital A. So it's at Takano underscore SA. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We've got a page, Takano SA Facebook. Um, and watch our website, www.takano.org.za. If you have a specific question, please send an email to communications at takano.org.za. Ken, did you have anything that you wanted to add? I definitely encourage individuals who are interested in working in the health sector in South Africa to apply for the fellowship because it really broadens your perspective around what we can mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. And this this is worth about $50,000, this scholarship. Is that right? Well, uh, that is the money invested uh, mm -hmm. in a fellow, mm -hmm. not necessarily disbursed, um, <laughs> but uh, that is more or less the mm -hmm. figure that is used um, to calculate uh, what has been spent or allocated to mm -hmm. other Atlantic Fellows programs. Kenton, thank you very much for coming into the studio and keep up the good work. Thank, thank you. you.